everybody to episode three of the four tales podcast i am your host kyron silva along with danny j quick in the building so you you finally given up on the the two two blurs one comic thing yeah the i guess i can't call it two blurs one comic you won't let me um i still think marketing wise it would go great people would remember it and they would know exactly what we're talking about but you know, I'm willing to be the but, good. What? But yes, they would know exactly what we're talking about. That's why we don't. That's why we're not doing it, man. Stop it. But it fits so well. But you know what? Four Tales is working. Um, I still got some ideas. I think we might need to change it just because it, it's a little confusing. But for right now, Four Tales works for what we do. Um, and what we do do in this podcast is we talk to comic creators about their books and what it is about being a creator in this industry that we all love for some reason, even though we give so much to it and it barely gives anything back. Uh, but, you know, it, it's this is fun. Um, this is now our second interviewee. And I, I think you guys are going to enjoy this. This is a uh, uh, someone I've met, uh, I want to say like four years ago at this point. Um, I have no idea. Time is meaningless at this point during quarantine. Um, but I met him at a combo convention and he had his posse with him. And he had like hundreds of books everywhere. Um, I was impressed. I was overwhelmed. And I went home and cried because I couldn't be like him. <laughs> and, you know, I think you guys will enjoy him. Um, he's part of, if not the creator of NPC Comics with their boundless amount of books. Uh, and he is Jamel Hemphill. Hemphill. Oh, my God. I messed that up. You messed it up and you just asked him, man. Come on. I know. I need more tea. Hold on. I need my specialty. Hold on. All right. So how you doing today? I'm so good, man. And I, I shoot, man. I should have followed you home and gave you a hug because I was impressed with you. So <laughs> I was impressed with you. So uh, you know, um, I'm just happy to be here. It's great to uh, see you both. Um, and yeah, it's just good to connect with people after yeah. being in the house for a year it has so, been a rough um, year you know yeah danny's still looking good though i don't know how that works yeah out, he, he's he's fly he's fly no, we, on a, we on a we on a podcast we can't see his thunder wall behind him you know <laughs> he got he from, got the got the beautiful color on the up. wall <laughs> <laughs> just shoulders up man i've been i've been doing so many uh zoom meetings that you learn just don't show him anything below the shoulders you get to go <laughs> that quarantine weight don't want to show right uh, <laughs> that's right uh, <laughs> well, but i mean we're, we're glad to have you on um i like i said i've been i've been friends with you i guess for a few years now i've bought yeah, a few fun. of your books uh, which i enjoyed um so i mean I guess let's start off with that what made you get into comic books well you know um you know you and i are finally starting to show our age but for a while i could hide it but we've been doing this for a minute and so i'm old enough to remember when it wasn't enough of us to have a podcast and, and by us mm. i mean uh people of color actually out making independent comics and being able to be at conventions and everything so uh, i'm gonna date myself but this is mid 90s you know i'm in high school and uh i'll never forget i was reading image it just dropped <clears throat> and well so i was in eighth grade or so image it dropped and i was reading young blood and i thought how cool it was that rob leefield and them had just walked away from like the dream of every comic creator 
and made their own company. Like, you know, as a kid that blew my, blew my mind. So you combine that. And then I think it was the next year icon hardware and static and blood syndicate came out. And now all of a sudden you had a group of the minorities who were missing from image. Let's just, let's just call it what it is. Like image was dope, but it was like one Asian guy and six white guys. You know, basically, Wills was you know, Asian. Wills is Asian. Yeah, yeah. Wills, but Wills disappeared. You, you, you can't find Wetworks if you beg. You know, he had a, a tragedy and he couldn't finish yeah. Wetworks. You know, so, so like, you know, I had Jim Lee, but that was it. You know, yeah. Um, and uh, and then Milestone dropped, and just there was definitely nobody African American until Larry Stroman made Tribe an image. So to see Icon and Static and and uh, see Dwayne McDuffie and and um, you know. Uh, Mike and all those guys like start out and make make characters that look like me. It just it really sparked something in me. Like I fully give credit to Milestone and Image inspiring me. And I think I was reading Youngblood one day, and I was like, you know what? Maybe I could do this. And yeah. I just started drawing characters. You know, as we all do when we're kids. Yeah. Um, but over the remainder of high school and then in college, um, I actually just uh, switched majors. Um, I, I actually left academic college and went to the Academy of Art in San Francisco with the idea you couldn't major in comics back then, but I went with the idea of like, okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna use art as my as my job. And uh, yeah, in 2000, after leaving leaving college, um, we founded the company and failed miserably and had a couple of reboots and restarts. And I think I had just gotten really really back into it when I met you. Um, and 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 we've been publishing ever since. You know, it's not it's not the volume that we want or whatever, but it's quantity over or quality over quantity. And it's um, hopefully each book we make speaks to something and helps somebody feel represented. You know, as you know, we're big on diversity, and um, we just try to make really good stories um, with every different genre that we can, and um, just help people feel represented and 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 you know treat comics as a medium and not a genre, and uh, and and just try to make the best stories we can. Now you're saying something that hit me really good, Sarah, is that you failed. A lot of people don't want to admit that they fail at something. And you were like, I failed at this, but you kept going. I mean, what forced you or what made you just keep going? It was that love for comics, love for creating or something else. Yeah. Or blatant stupidity. Like I, 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 you know, like I, I just can't quit. Like, um, you know, uh, maybe it's, you know, the way I was raised or, um, you know, just something in me. I, I try to see things through to the bitter end. Like I have to be utterly, if I can go on, I'm going to keep trying. I have to be utterly defeated before I like leave something alone. Um, sounds like a, sounds like a cartoon that I've watched recently. <laughs> yeah. It just, you just have to, you just have to keep going. Like, um, and also I recognize the state of the industry. I mean, up until very, very recently for most of our lives, distribution was a monopoly. Um, you know, uh, it's very closed, you know, for, for being such a, a big business, it's really, if you think about it, run by a very small group of people. Like mm-hmm. you you think of Marvel, but prior to Disney, Marvel was a room with maybe a hundred people in it. If that. You know, mm-hmm. same with same with DC. It's not like they make all these comics, they make all this money, they have these huge properties that they they have are, are recognized around the world. But the companies themselves aren't that big, you right. know. Um, for all the money that comics make in TV, and uh, not in TV, but uh, in comic book stores and everything, for all that, there's only one distributor, and that distributor only has five buyers, and they meet in the room, and they were basically deciding the industry, right? Like so, um, it's not a big business, and so that that kind of lends itself to 
being very insular. So it was, it, there's this big black box on how do you break into comics? Like if you want to break into Marvel, they don't even accept submissions. So how do you, you know what I mean? Like <laughs> no one knows how to work for Marvel or DC. You just kind of just do this until they notice you and, and, and put a crown on your head. Yeah. And, you know, um, if you're black, you know, I don't know, being the best writer on the planet kind of helps. If you're Ta-Nehisi Coates or N.K. Jemison and you get a prestigious award, you might get a black character. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know, like like you have like, to start yeah, out yeah, out of comics to get into comics. Basically. comics yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. And then and then if you're Ta-Nehisi Coates and you do really good with the black guy, we might give you Captain America, right? Like so, <laughs> you know, like like it's, I'm never gonna get to write X Men. So if Man. you want to do it, you gotta you gotta. <laughs> You, you saying that you saying that is, is hurtful, bro. Like <laughs> you just ruined, so much. like <laughs> crushed Danny's idea of ever writing Batman. I wanna, no, no I man, write... just just win a Pulitzer. <laughs> That's all you gotta do. Just write a life changing essay in the New York Times, you know, or then write Between the World and Me, win a couple awards, and then write Black Lightning, <laughs> and then they might give you. They might give you a, 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 a you know a Batman miniseries. You know, get a Batman miniseries. I just yeah. I just want to write Deadpool, man. If I I don't got it, don't got to be Batman. It don't got to be Superman. <laughs> let me let me get into Deadpool or something, and I'll I'll be happy. You got to talk to to write Deadpool now. I know, yeah. right? That's yes. <laughs> you become buddies with him. You never know. You might you might get something. <laughs> yeah, know. I mean he's active, he's active know. out here in these streets. So he's one of Maybe. the nicest people I've ever seen. Like yeah. I can't say yeah. I'm friends with him or anything, but I've I've. I've had my table in his proximity at conventions before and everything, and and yeah. he's just one of the nicest people I've ever met. Now he'll turn he on you like in an instant if oh, you real? like screw him over, is it like yeah. especially like on Twitter or something. He'll turn yeah. on you in an instant, but he is really <laughs> nice. And he, if you go up to him, he'll he'll talk to you. He'll sign almost everything as long as there's not a long line, and yeah. he's cool. But he'll turn on you if he if he had the choice. <laughs> Did yeah. he block you on Twitter, Kyron? Is that no, what it no, is? No, no, no. <laughs> Are you hurt? Doesn't think so. Yeah, yeah. Let me go check. <laughs> 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 so I, I got a question for you. I was yeah. um I was perusing your your website um npccomics.com and I and I like how you have it set up um your main page is just the just your logos. You don't yeah. see any covers of anything like that. So like I was I was gonna go through them, then I was like, hey, I'm just gonna you know buy comics based off of the logo, you know what I'm saying? Like this <laughs> I was like, hey, let me see which one of these I like. So um I picked out uh, Jennifer and the She Wolf. Yeah. And um I got Earth Sons. Yeah. And I'm also gonna get um scrap too, because that's I know I know I've seen that one on Facebook. So um those just just looking at the just looking at the logos, I was like, okay, which one of these would would I be interested in just based off the logo? Cause you cause usually in comics you see a cover image first. You you yeah, even if yeah. you're at a comic book store or usually online, you'll see a cover image and you might, you know, say, Okay, what's this character about? This character has a nice look. But me as a graphic designer. I look at, I always look at logos to see what they say about uh, what they say about stuff, and those are the ones that that stood out to me. So I thought it was kind of cool that your your website is laid out like that. What what made you decide to do that? Uh, you know, like I don't know if it was like as I'm a graphic designer myself by 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 trade. That ended up being mm-hmm. my degree, as opposed to by the way, if you're thinking about doing comics, kids, you can actually major for in comics now at the Academy of Art. I, I wish, right. um, <laughs> but uh, um. Uh, I don't know why I did. I think it was just made it easier to browse. And I know sometimes um, I thought going simple as a graphic designer, I think going simple makes things a lot easier because you get a lot of information overload. 
And uh, if you think about people browsing the internet, it's like the, the, the visual bombardment that you get anywhere you go now is insane, right? If you think about walking into a comic book store and let's say you don't read comics, how mm-hmm. the heck would you pick anything? Like, like people, like the talent's better than it's ever been, right? The comics are more colorful than they've ever been. Um, people, they're like the way we study how to advertise and get people's eyeballs is more meticulous than ever. And so mm-hmm. when you walk into a store, there's just all these covers screaming at you, like just just color bombardment. Or when you watch TV, or when you go to the mall, or you know everything's Times Square now. So um, sometimes just throwing out a logo might make it a little simpler. Mm-hmm. You know, like we have titles. If if this title looks like it's something crazy, or you want to know what the heck that means, click on it, and then there's a description. And that way, like it's not like just all these covers and just they can all blend together, especially if you have a lot of action books or something. Um, mm-hmm. You know, uh, I'd rather people read the synopsis. At least that's my choice. Like, I try to get people to read the synopsis before they look at the cover, because um, some of the covers, like if you have a, a drama comic, um, the cover may not be action oriented enough for you to really buy in or give it a shot when the subject matter is something that you might really, really want to read. Mm-hmm. Um, and and when you're dealing with different genres and everything, like. It, I, I look at it more like a bookstore and like, let's just look at the title and then you can read the author and read the back or something. And, um, you know, it's like looking at the spines in a bookstore. That's the way I think of it, you know? Yeah, I, I like it, man. And I'm, a, I'm also a graphic designer. I, I have my degree in graphic design. So I, mm-hmm. I, I guess that's why it stood out to me um, because, you know, I guess we're speaking a similar language, but those, um, those two definitely stood out to me. They, they, a, a good logo can, you know, tell a lot about a story. Um, yeah. So, you know, just what I got from seeing those made me want to investigate further. And then, you know, I was like, okay, cool. I'll buy these. And um, as soon as I get them, I'll read them. <laughs> cool. <laughs> I guess I need to, I guess I need to bounce out since I'm not a graphic designer. I'm just an artist. <laughs> as I said. <laughs> so should I leave so you guys can like talk graphic design? Uh, stuff or what all, all graphic design is an art degree that where you spend a lot of time on color theory that's it right <laughs> that's it <laughs> color, color, color theory and typography got, yeah. got most of my time man <laughs> well since since danny brought up the titles that you have because you have a lot of books which for most indie creators people are happy with one or two series but you have 12 series on your yeah. your company and i know you don't write all of them correct yeah no no uh mpc just want to like put in like in 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 terms of like just as i go back to my inspiration mpc is set up like image so we're creator owned um and so we're a collective there are three partners right now um with me uh fred highball and diane huffman but um uh, if you if you sign up and you and you work with us or whatever the company all it owns is a logo and each creator owns their uh their um creation and they they publish through us so even i as a partner have kind of signed a deal with my own company and the company publishes my comic and and whatnot and we just like it's all about collective advertising um uh just going back to really quick before we move on just going back into a comic book store um right now a lot of comic book stores they set up their stuff by company so if you have an indie book and you walk in and you see the wall of new comics there are 90 Marvel comics, 90 DC comics. And if you're lucky, if you're lucky, they put the independence and stuff on the new wall at the end. Like it should probably be alphabetical and comic book stores probably should be set up by genre, 
that would be a lot easier. And I think a lot more people would sell comics that way. But unfortunately, it's set up like it's Marvel, DC, everybody else. So my original theory was like, hey, if we all band together, maybe we'll get a shelf on that new new release wall. Right. Like it'll 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 be a little bit harder to skip our logo if there's nine of us or you know, lined up in a row. Um, you know, it has always worked that way. But banding together, um, like you said, oh, wow, you have a lot of books when you first met me. Yeah, we look a lot bigger than we are. <laughs> Once again, it's like it's like three people without an office. But, <laughs> you know, you walk into it. Oh, wow. You guys are a big company. No, we're not. We're broke. But hey, yeah. if you believe that. Cool. Perception <laughs> works. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, no, no, I get that because um, my local comic book shop is Empire's Comics and they set up everything alphabetically, but they actually take a lot of independent creators. And yeah. when they get a new book, they actually do put it along with the regular Marvel and DC stuff. Exactly. And then after about a couple of weeks, what they do is they'll move it to a separate wall just for independent creators. Yeah. Um, I have like five books there um greg elise has isnana there and a lot of independent creators just reach out to him he's great about getting books and putting them out there and, and showcasing independent creators from everywhere around the country so you know that's just a cool. quick shout that's out cool. to him because he's been very yeah. supportive of me yeah uh like uh store owners like that are the lifeblood of independent comics mm -hmm. because when you when you put our books you know whether it's yours Kyron, or mine when you put them next to the, as long as we work really hard and when we, and we put, you know, all that we can in, into making things look presentable and professional, they're not going to look out of place next to a Superman. Mm -hmm. They're not, you know, and if you put them together and, and people aren't paying attention to the brand in the upper, upper left-hand corner, they're going to buy what they like. You know, I was, I was super proud um, just to give a shout out and I, I, I can't thank him enough for all the advice he's given me, but James Syme of Isotope Comics here in San Francisco. Did the same thing for me. He, he took my book, Men at the Mighty. And um, I think it was a couple of years ago during like free comic book day. He has a little, uh, I don't know if you've ever been to Isotope, but it's like a, a lounge mixed with a comic book store. Mm. So uh, he has a little mini bar set up at the front of the store. And uh, <laughs> normally the bar is displaying uh, comics, but you know, back in the days when after like after parties and stuff, it actually, you would have mixed drinks and stuff. So you would come to the store and have mixed drinks. Okay. And um <laughs> Uh, he on the bar during a free comic book day. Uh, I, I think it was like uh, one of the new Superman when when Bendis had first taken over Superman, and he had the Bendis Superman and like um, Razzle, I think, of, by Jeff Smith, and then Minute the Mighty, my comic, sitting there. And I thought, wow, thank you for putting me in such a prominent place in your store. But he sold all the copies that I, had, you know, he he ordered like twenty copies, which is a lot. A big yeah. order, mm -hmm. just so people yeah. listening. He ordered twenty copies and he sold them all, and it was sitting next to Superman. And at the end of the day, there was a couple Superman sitting there, and Made my comic was gone. Yeah, I was like, wow. I was like, it, it really, you know, that's one of those small things that happens, and it, it's not a bragging thing, but it felt really good to go. Hey, you put me next to the number one character in the world, my personal favorite character, and and I, and I sold out. I, I don't know if he ordered fifty Supermans, you know, but uh, but the fact was there. Were, I, I still sold. No one ignored me, you know, sitting next to him. And I think that goes for a lot of indie people. They put out a lot of great stuff. And I think it's just that brand loyalty, you know, from the owners, a lot of store owners, and, and sometimes the fandom, not even giving them a chance. They're passing up a lot of great stories. So. That's dope. That's dope. I wish my, um, my local comic shop has a little section for us in the back. 
you have to you kind of have to go yeah. and find it if, if you're not password yeah, yeah. <laughs> speak easy you gotta knock on the door yeah, so it yeah. slides it open they're like what do you want yeah, yeah blue eyes yeah so, uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay but, but they have but they have a lot of us you know they have a lot of us in there so it's, it's kind of a big section but if you don't know it's back there you definitely definitely got to look for it yeah um I got something I want to do, Kyron. I didn't tell you about this before, but okay. I just thought of it. And I want to I want to create a I'm about to do a little segment right here with our with our man Jamel, just off the top of the head. We're going to do something I want to call quick takes. Okay? Right. Okay. So, I was perusing through your Facebook, right? Yeah. You oh, know how sometimes you just look through oh, bo- <laughs> Oh boy. <laughs> you know how you just look through somebody's picture sometimes, right? Yeah. Um so I just got a few questions and I want to get your quick take on it. Like just give me a okay. minute. I'm going to ask you a question and just off the top of your head tell me what you think about it. All okay. right. So, first one is an easy one cuz it just wrapped up. Falcon and the Winter Soldier. How did you like it? Um I think it was really good. Um I think sometimes when you have uh uh, just uh, once again, sorry to all our non-black listeners, but I'm going to do a black thing again. But sometimes <laughs> when you when you get uh, representation on TV for black people or any minority for that matter, but specifically with black people, there's so few times that we get to see ourselves at the center of a show that people project what they want onto it rather than what the show is willing to give. And I think a lot of people were expecting more of it. I got what I wanted out of it, which was uh, uh, Sam Wilson decided he was going to be Captain America. That was the point. Like, and I think a lot of people are missing, like, I understand that people wish the Flag Smashers were bigger and badder villains and everything. But just like WandaVision, Agatha wasn't the the, uh, the villain. Grief was, right? Mm-hmm, right? Here, the villain was doubt. That's the villain. Yeah. Like, all, it's about Sam Wilson getting over his doubts on whether he should or should not pick up the shield and what it represents. He doubts that it could be right for a black American to be Captain America. He doubts that he's the guy. He doubts all this stuff. And if you notice all the antagonists, everybody around him are different views on whether or not he should take that shield. The Flag Smashers have completely given up on on nationality. Uh, Bucky is the guy who who inherently believes that the shield is good. And, and, and rah-rah, and he needs to pick up the symbol. John Walker is who America really is, as opposed to who they think mm-hmm. they are. Uh, Sharon Carter is the disillusioned vet who's been used, abused, and thrown away. You know, So they're all, and, and Isaiah Bradley is the Black American who's been mistreated and has given up on even the thought of the dream, who, 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 got, who was shattered by the dream. So each one of them is a different, a different representation of his doubt, and then he interacts with all of them and decides to become an amalgam, saying, I'm going to fight anyway. Like that's that's the story, and instead yeah. we were looking for a traditional superhero story. So that wasn't exactly a quick take, but the quick take is I, I like it. I like it. A, I like. We it. need like a shot clock on this if we want to call it quick takes, like twenty four second shot clock. <laughs> yeah, twenty four seconds to answer. My bad. And bam, I'll go for that. Like go for that quick way up. Yeah. <laughs> we go. We gonna work on that. We won't work on that. But I like it. Um, Kyron, Kyron didn't like you know Falcon and Winter Soldier. He said that he thought Sam should have been Captain America. I mean, he thought that Bucky should have been Captain America. And you know, but whatever. Okay. All right, let's uh, so we'll right move now. on to the next. No, 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 no. We got no, we don't move on past that. You all don't move. I never said anything like that. And if you want to be honest, if you want to find out my opinion on it, you can go and there's another podcast I was just on. It's called All for a podcast for all intents and purposes. It's run mm-hmm. by a fan of our show, actually. His name is Dan Bethel. And I actually gave my opinion on 
Sam and the Winter Soldier. I'm going to call it Sam now because <laughs> that's my boy right there. <laughs> and, you know, I actually had a lot of the same takes as J-Mail Hutt. So don't don't try to throw me yeah. under there like that. I saw I saw that she was on there. I just want to, you know, throw that out there. Anyway, all right. So quick take number two. Um, I see that you got on the Run the Jewels shirt. Yes. All right. Yeah. I've seen that you you posted DMX uh, a while back. Rest in peace, DMX. And um, I just wanted to get your, your take on uh, hip hop, because if you I listen to old school hip hop, I listen to a lot of DMX. But you can't play DMX like today. No. OK, no, you can't. You can't. <laughs> DMX. Like, it, it, that's in the earphones. You can't play it. Yeah. On the yeah. As, right, as right, parent, right. As a parent, you yeah. can't do it. As yeah. a parent, have, <laughs> yeah. DMX, DMX was DMX was one of my favorite rappers, but he's a rough dude, right? Yeah. So I just wanted to get your take on DMX versus the current state of hip hop. I think we're overdue for a new musical genre. Like mm-hmm. I think hip hop is stale. Like, yeah. um, like, like our parents used to not like hip hop, right? But we can tell them it's a different genre. It's apples to apples or apples to oranges. They had R&B and soul and we had hip hop. And although there's a lot of sampling, it's two different musical genres. Now it's apples to apples. It's rap versus rap. And objectively, what they are making this day is not comparable to what we listen to. It's not rap. Like you're heavy on the beat, light on the lyrics. You're not telling stories. Um, It's like what if everybody was uh, Das Effects? Mm-hmm. Like Dasa Fest would just throw out like nursery rhymes or something or just nonsensical stuff sometimes. What if everybody was that? What if everybody was just Dasa Fest with ad libs and punchlines? And trying to, get I don't, them, trying to get that strong hook in there. That's what exactly. They... And so like I'm like, this is like it's not it's not hip hop anymore. It, it just simply isn't. And I think for some reason, like it's it's just been gentrified all the heck and and um they're not making like 90% of the people out there are just 99% of the people out there just aren't making hip hop anymore. So um, I don't know really what I listen to now, to be honest. Like uh, I think the last album I bought was actually, uh, I forgot the guy's name, but it's the dude who made, I bought the album of the dude who made that ending song in Captain America, the winning soldier. Like he made a solo oh. album. Yeah. I bought that guy's album cause it's really good. Um, yeah. But uh, like I, I mean I, I I don't I don't know I think I'm more into like neo soul now or like uh, there's a guy here in Oakland called Fantastico Negrito like like mm-hmm. I, I bought his stuff like um, yeah I, I haven't bought a new artist in a long time unfortunately uh, yeah people specifically I'm, rap I, I I can't think of the last guy so do people even buy albums anymore don't we just stream everything that's another thing if you can't make an album i don't want to listen to you <laughs> if all you if all you made it was a song like that's not gonna that's gonna get me three minutes into my art like i don't feel like making a playlist <laughs> i need you to be able to make an hour of music that takes me on a yeah. journey and i need to be able to listen to it if you if you can't make if you make 12 singles and like they don't they don't like make a cohesive listening experience i don't it's not worth it you're like i want a it. side a and a side b that I exactly can flip over. i need i need i need, <laughs> get I need those tracks I need, I need, I need skits. I need an outro. I need everything, you know? So I don't know. I just, hey. I just need, I just need a whole album. Like I like, I want to get my money's worth. I don't really use Spotify or anything like that. You know, I, I actually like, you can probably my music, my physical media from my cold dead hands. I, I buy, I buy a CD and then I rip it. <laughs> that way mm-hmm. if title decides if the artist switched from title to spotify or whatever it doesn't affect me you know, I'm, still just, it, yeah. I'm listening to my jukebox at home you know so 
I feel it. I feel it. I'm getting I'm getting to that point too. There's there's certain certain songs I still listen to, but mostly like I was just listening to uh to Pimp a Butterfly, uh, yeah. you know, last week cutting the grass and like just listening through the whole thing because it's you know it's a it's an experience. But exactly. um yeah, these these singles aren't 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 doing it for me anymore. So We'll come up with a new genre of, of music that these young yeah. folks can have. And, uh, <laughs> exactly. They and we'll need keep, a new we'll genre. I think if they invented something new, it would be great. You know, I think it yeah. would be great. But but they just, they're, I think maybe it's partially the music industry because they found something that's, that works and is very universal, you mm-hmm. know, um, and, and they aren't looking for anything new, you know. But but I think that there's probably some people out there with new sounds and, 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 and new types of ways of putting music together and they just aren't getting a lot of traction. Yeah. You know? Kyron says he only listens to um, anime intros now. So um, <laughs> that Cannon Busters is dope. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was. It is. It is. Again, why are you throwing lies out like that? That's what you to, told me, man. To be honest, the only thing I've been listening to right now is Hamilton. Uh, mm. I've been stuck on that on repeat for a while. My family hates it. I'll, I'll be honest, I love that shit. Great. <laughs> <laughs> you listen to the to the actual the the soundtrack or the uh, mixtape. The soundtrack, the whole soundtrack. It's on <laughs> yeah, YouTube okay. for free. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, all right. So let me let me jump into this one then. Um, I saw that you you you, you watch uh, sci-fi, right? You watch a lot of sci-fi. Oh yeah, stuff? I'm a big old, I'm a big old nerd. Like I, yeah, I've so, officially become my uncle. I sit here and I watch. Uh, I don't know if it's up up in Sac or on the East Coast, but there's a new cable channel called H and I, and it shows Star Trek, all the shows like right in a row yeah. every night. Mm. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I sit there and I watch Star Trek. If I, if I, it's it's the path of least resistance. If nothing mm-hmm. comes up on the TV or maybe there's nothing recorded that I want to watch or a new streaming <laughs> service or whatever, I just gravitate. It's like my grandmother watching Matlock. Like I just go it's and cool. I watch. <laughs> yeah, I just I just put all the Star Trek on. I'm just sitting there like an old dude. You know, I was like, God, I've become my uncle. Like I am. It's easy. It's I'm easy, man. Old I, man who watches wife, his shows. Me and my wife had. Uh, we like westerns. We we watch mm-hmm. old westerns, and we had the Rifleman playing for literally five days in a row just on the TV. <laughs> but anyway, so what I was going to ask you is, where do you put Star Trek Discovery in the ranking of Star Trek series? Oh, here we go. Hot quick take. The first season of Star Trek Discovery is the best season of the best first season of Star Trek since the original series. Amen. I, I agree like, with you on that. Yeah, like like if you think about it, Star Trek shows, except for the original Star Trek, have always been really booty in the first season. The first yeah, the first season's always been especially, terrible. Especially even D Space Nine, which is the best one, yeah. is still not good in the first season. Discovery was still actually pretty good the first season. Maybe yeah. I didn't necessarily like um dealing with the whole Klingon stuff. I mm-hmm. uh but but still it was it it was light years ahead of like Enterprise's first season or Star Trek Next oh, Generation's man. first season. Like like it was good. I was I was enamored with it right off the bat. Yeah, I, I really like Discovery. I'm I'm enjoying that show. Um yeah. I'm a Trekkie. I I I'll watch uh Star Trek all day, every day if I can. Yes. My wife I've actually <laughs> my wife hated it at first, but you know into season like two and three of Deep Space Nine, she would start asking questions. She really likes Cork yeah. and mm-hmm. she likes um Odo. She really yeah. likes Odo. So uh Cork and Odo's uh, relationship was was really cool. And that, that's what got her into it. So now she's kind of we we went and watched Voyager together and then we watched uh I gotta watch the next generation and uh but I still can't get her to watch Discovery. She won't watch Discovery with me. So my wife would watch Discovery with me. I think was I started with Deep Space Nine and um mm-hmm. 
I admitted to her that that was, in my opinion, was the best of the shows. And now she's like, yeah, I'm not into it. It's like she doesn't want to watch Voyager because it's not ep- mm. it's episodic. You know, yeah. Voyager is episodic. So she's just like, oh, I'm like, well, there's no progression. And I'm like, and she's she's Korean. So automatically she looked at mm. Harry Kim. I'm like, yeah, he's still going to be an ensign at the end. Oh, like, <laughs> like he's, the, he's the only dude that doesn't get, like Tom Paris will get demoted, then promoted again. And poor Harry Kim is still an ensign. He's still dead. He dies and comes back. No one cares. Like there's Kale. no, like, <laughs> like, like he died. That's not the same guy. The guy that you start with died. And no one even thinks about it. There was Man. more consternation over Tuvix than Harry Kim died. <laughs> Like, I was like, why did they do him like this? <laughs> like, anyway. Uh-oh. But yeah, so we, 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 we watch, uh, we, she's watched Discover with me. I try to get my daughter into it. Um, my daughter is, is too smart for her own good because we tried to watch the original and she wasn't uh-huh. really Captain Kirk's womanizing. Like, she's, watch, she's like nine. She's like, she's like nine. She's like, why is he all up on all the women? Like, <laughs> like nine years old, she's like, I'm not feeling him. She's paying attention though. She's paying attention. Yeah, That's yeah. good. That's good. All right. So my last one, my last one. Are you are you a sports fan? Yeah, yeah. I consider myself okay. a sports fan. Yeah. Who do you see winning the NBA championship this year? I mean, it's gotta be the Nets, right? Oh, geez. like it's gotta right. it's gotta be the Nets. Like, I mean, a bot I championships. Mean, this, what that is? At 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 the, at this point. I heard Tim Tebow was trying to come back to the NFL. <laughs> I'm 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 waiting for the Nets to sign Tim Tebow. Uh, hey. You know, I heard, He's I heard as a, Aaron, a tight end, right? Yeah, yeah. I heard Aaron Rodgers wants to leave. I'm I'm not. I don't watch football as much as I used to, but I heard Aaron Rodgers wants to leave uh, Green Bay. Maybe he'll go to the Brooklyn Nets. Like they're just <laughs> signing everybody. Like <laughs> like it doesn't they matter. If, <laughs> if you were good at one point, we're signing. Yeah, we're making it happen. I heard they're trying like, to sign Michael Jordan. They're just gonna be like, "We'll buy you yeah. out from the yeah, exactly. from Charlotte. You don't have to be we owner. Will, and then we can we sign will you buy the year. we will buy the Charlotte Hornets, and then you come play for us. Like, let's get, let's but, get you that seven three, MJ. Yeah. Let's make it happen. <laughs> I mean, this could be like uh, the Lakers, though. Remember the Lakers when they got Carl Malone and Gary Payton, and everybody was terrified, and, and then, then they, they lost, but, yeah. and then they lost. So it could be like that. But exactly. like, I I mean, at the same time, um, you know. I don't know, man. You got KD, and you, like the only thing I can think of is there's not enough balls to go around. Like yeah, I could, yeah. I could see, a, I could see a thing where James Harden just shoots them out of the game. And you got KD and Kyrie who are very temperamental at the same time. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. they want the ball yeah. just as much as Harden does. Yeah, well, I mean, Harden yeah. can't play with other people. Like especially, like, in the, like, I mean, especially in the playoffs, they they're gonna it's gonna yeah. get tough for them at some point, and they yeah. will we'll just have to see. But you would yeah, think Harden I mean, like, would remember his time with. KD and OKC and be like, I don't want to do that again. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, that's that's the only thing I could see happening. Like, they just fall apart, like, you know, because of the chemistry. But as of right now, I mean, if Harden just stops flopping and just, like, passes the ball and actually dishes it around, like, there, there's nothing that I see you could stop him, especially in a year where so many people are injured and hurt and, yeah. you know, yeah. Well, you know, um, Kyron's Kings beat my Lakers last night, so, you know, anything is possible. <laughs> I don't understand my team right now. We had aspirations for at least making the playoffs, and then we lose by almost 50 the night before, and then we beat the Lakers the day after. I'm like, what is your problem? Anything is possible. (laughs) This is this is this is truly like like it's almost become like the NFL where like any team could win at any point. Mm -hmm. You know, I I mean as a Warriors fan, I'm just kind of like, whatever. 
I mean, I could see that as far as any team can win any game. But I mean, we still yeah. only have like two or three teams that have the opportunity to win a championship. Exactly. Whereas the NFL, exactly. you could say maybe a good six, seven, eight teams have a good chance. Yeah. So the parity yeah. NFL is a lot bigger. Yeah. Yeah. All right. But all right. So that's it for me. I'm I'm <laughs> kick it back to Kyron. All I right. appreciate you participating in that. Uh, that. Uh... No problem. No problem. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, we, well, I got one, man. I got one. And, you know, okay. this is a little bit of a connection that Jamel and I have, because besides comics, Jamel, you also, I found out, uh, were into wrestling. Yes. And both yeah. of us actually trained to be wrestlers for a while. Yeah. I did it for what? a year, um, and I realized I sucked, and I did not want to do it anymore. <laughs> 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 and, I, and I remember I overheard an interview that you did where you trained, and you actually went up, or you wanted to train with the uh, great colleague. Yeah. Um, so as a quick take, who is your favorite 80s wrestler, 90s wrestler, and current wrestler? Ooh. Um, in the 80s, uh, it's a tie between Ric Flair and uh, uh, Hitman. Like, Ric Flair is the man. Yeah. Um, uh, 90s, um, I'm going to go right to the end of the 90s because it's Kurt Angle. Okay. It's, it's Kurt, Kurt Angle? Angle? Yeah, I think like, you gotta like, go to the ninety, the end of the nineties. There aren't really yeah. a lot in, in the mid nineties. I mean, I could have said like time. under, I could have said like Undertaker or yeah. uh, or something like that. But like, it, it's it's Kurt Angle. Like Kurt Angle got me into wrestling because I was an amateur wrestler before I was a pro wrestler, and oh, okay. I knew who Kurt Angle was from the Olympics. And then he showed up, and um, this is it was like it was kind of happened almost at the same time that my buddy signed up for uh, uh, training at APW. And I was at first, I was like, oh, I'm not doing that fake stuff. You know, once I found out wrestling was a work, I kind of got burnt like a lot of kids. And um, but seeing Kurt Angle, I was like, oh, I want to be like Kurt Angle, you know, and, and that got mm-hmm. me to go. Actually, it, it didn't change my mind, but I was like, OK, if a legit person like Kurt Angle can do this, you know, maybe I could try it. What am I what am I turning my nose up for? And so uh, then I went in and, and um, talked to Donovan and, 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 you know, and all that stuff and signed up and current wrestler. Mm, I gotta be honest, like this isn't gonna be super current because um uh I it's hard for me to watch wrestling now. because uh, I'm not wrest- I'm, I'm not wrestling anymore and it makes me feel hurt, especially mm-hmm. when I see people I know or people that I help train like on TV. Like like I want to see them do well, but then like I'm butthurt that I'm not there with them. Um so I'll probably say the Miz. Okay, that's a good choice. I think I think when it's all said and done, he's gonna be like uh, he'll go down as probably one of the greatest heels of the 21st century. Like, wow. Like, like, if you look at him, he's consistent. He's always like in there. He he's so consistent, so steady. He doesn't get hurt. He wrestles smart. He wrestles safe. He's entertaining every time. And and for a guy who just like I got a lot of respect for a dude who showed up in the real world and said I'm going to do this, and then not only mm-hmm. goes in there but does it and becomes really good at it. And, and I don't think he gets enough. I don't think he gets enough credit. And I think no one's going to realize it until he retires. Yeah, and that's that is cool that you're right. He started off as an MTV reality character, basically. Exactly. And yeah. then he was like, "I'm going to become a professional wrestler because I love it that much." And he is one of the bigger stars right now. So yeah, I don't know yeah. about biggest heels. I mean, I, I, I don't know. About I, the I, I'm just saying one of the best heels. He's going to. All I'm saying is one of the best heels. I don't think he's going to. But but like, if you look at his track record, he is so consistent. He, I don't, I don't, I don't know why they haven't just put like, I, I mean, they have put the belt on him, but he's yeah. always been transitional or, 
or something like I don't know I don't know what it is like he's never always he's never broken through that glass ceiling to be like the guy and that's really hard to do when you're uh stacked there with a generational talent like like uh John Cena or The Rock mm-hmm. you know that's hard to do um but like if you look at him he is super consistent super talented mm-hmm. he never really has a stupid or bad match and like as the heel uh a lot of that, a lot of credit for each match he has goes to him when you're working a heel, working a heel. So, yeah. like, like when you take it all in, I think it's going to be those things where you have to go back and look back. You know, like when you like in the moment, you're like, ah, oh, he's just the miss, he's mid card, whatever. But when when he, when it's all said and done and you're missing him, and all of a sudden you don't have that super consistent person who's like an above average heel, I think people will really notice. Like, I think people are really going to notice. Yeah, I mean, I think he'll um, get this. I think he'll get his time, and he has one thing that. Vince Love, he has that look, and Vince exactly. loves certain looks, so he yeah. he'll get his chance eventually to be the man. Um, yeah. Oh, but and also, and also, special shout out to the guy who trained me, uh, uh, Brian Danielson. So, like, uh, he's also. Yeah. Now I'll give a special shout out to the guy who trained me, the Big Ugly. So yes, JD, yeah, JD, 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 JD yeah, yeah. Yep. yeah. I'll All give right. a special shout out to the guy who trained. No, I'm just playing. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I, I haven't right. watched. Uh, I haven't watched wrestling since uh, probably Stone Cold and and The Rock and them were were really yeah. active. Um, but that was a that was a good time. It was uh, a special time. Yeah. yeah. All right. Well, that That's was cool. uh, Danny's quick takes for Four Tales podcast. So uh, I guess we want to get back into comics then at this point. <laughs> <laughs> That's what the show is about, right? That wasn't quick, though. (laughs) That was Danny's long take. Yeah, that was. That's my bad. That's my bad. I I can't give a short answer. It's really hard. I'm a writer, Danny. You should have set me up. Yeah, I should have known. I don't know. Don't just be throwing stuff out there. I can in the middle. Don't warn me or nothing, so I can help out. I sent you a text message in the middle of your thing. And now a word from our sponsor. And now we go right back to the show. Well, let's get into uh, your comics, specifically certain comics, because uh, yeah. you 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 have your newest title, Scrap. Yeah. What's that all about? Um, Scrap is awesome for people who like martial arts, or if you ever read any of the Udon comics, like uh, Street Fighter or, or any of those like fighting style stuff. Um, it's made by Fred McKinstry, um, who used to be a, a nerd or still is a nerdcore rapper, uh, Juice Lee. And he's created a comic that is based around MMA. And it's the story of a young woman named uh, Shannon Noble, who's kind of like maxed out in terms of what she can learn from traditional martial arts and decides to take up MMA. And it's just the story of her journey, not only in MMA, but also into like a wider world. And there are some other like fantastic elements. And I say fantastic is not in great, but as in like, supernatural type stuff that, that come into it and um i don't want to give away you know uh too much of the story but it definitely goes in and if you like like street fighter or um actually i'm gonna say street fighter i was gonna say or mk but it's not like mortal Kombat. it's more like street mm-hmm. fighter attacking and um fred is big in the mma himself he's been taking brazilian jiu-jitsu for about 10 years and that's part of his love of brazilian jiu-jitsu is what brought about this comic and this story and so um uh, the fight scenes are actually choreographed by Fred. He works really close with his uh, with his artists to make it very realistic. 
Um, note to uh, self, don't mess with Fred next time I see him. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and, and so like, uh, yeah, it's been, it's just really cool. Um, he's got a team of great artists. He's a writer by trade. So he's got a team of fantastic artists. Uh, yeah, the art, the art on this book is, is fantastic. Just, yeah. just looking at him, I'm, I'm definitely getting these. Yeah, it's just an amazing book. Uh, the second issue just came out um, the Wednesday before we made this recording, um, April twenty eighth, and it's it, uh, it's I just I'm just happy for him. Um, uh, Fred Knight, uh, not to be confused with Fred Highball, who is the partner. Fred McKinstry is my friend and has been my friend for over a, a decade and a half. And uh, he came to me in like two thousand eight, saying, "Hey, I want to make a comic book," and I was just kind of like, "Yeah, uh, whenever you're done, I got your back." And then all of a sudden, like, you know, we're friends and everything. But then like seven years later, he's like, hey, I'm working on this comic book. And then like, he finally gets it done. And, and so I'm just really excited to see it out. And, and um, the response has been great. Uh, people seeing themselves represented, a lot of young Black women. And um, there is a character who is trans uh, or trans character in, in the character, uh, uh, the sidekick. And um, so people are just seeing themselves represented in MMA because, uh martial arts are for everyone i think we all can agree that for that and right. but sometimes when you see martial arts stories it's not doesn't seem like it's for everyone so um you know just people who are really enthusiastic about seeing their art um you know in comics and represent it like truly and, and seeing themselves on the page so the response has been amazing and um, i'm really looking forward to seeing where the story goes uh i've been lucky enough to help fred uh, i'm his editor so i've been lucky enough to see the, the coming scripts and everything and uh, uh gosh it's gonna get really exciting so nice yeah now out of all the books that you are distributing outside of yours because you wrote blackjacks right um i i wrote the i created blackjacks and wrote okay. the like start of it but i'm not writing the series okay. uh i'm just writing minute the mighty, minute and, the mighty. And, and uh sun lar and then um i have a new one coming out uh later this fall uh but um yeah so yeah, I'm writing three, but not blackjacks. Okay. Now I have Minute Mighty. I haven't. I don't have Sunlar yet. Um, but out of the series that you didn't directly do anything with, which one are you most proud of? You know, like I think it's a recency bias. Like I'm always more, most proud of the the, the the latest one. Like I, I'm just happy to see other people uh, making comics. And so each time we make a new comic, I just get excited because. Um, you know, I'm getting older and I've, 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 you know, a new comic is a new comic to me, you know, um, uh, you know, I, I've uh, had that. I, I used to love taking it to my parents. Like that was it. Like I used to love, even though I'm a grown man, my favorite thing was like just taking my comic to my parents and go, look what I made, you know, like it's the same <laughs> as when I was 10 and I drew something like, look what I made. And so uh, that, that, that's just where my joy comes from. So I don't get to live vicariously or I don't get to uh, experience um the feeling of first seeing something you created printed up like i've already had that experience so i love living vicariously through the new through anyone who's new and then printing something i love printing it up and handing it to them physically like the, for the first time like that's that's what i that's like my joy so um the thing i'm most proud of is like whoever i got recently to do that for <laughs> but um like i like all our books I, I i surround myself with people i think are more talented than me so I think every book is better than mine. <laughs> um, so No, it's true. I remember when I was part of Big Tree Comics and we distributed books, I had four issues I did on my own. 
And then we distributed three other books that I just helped edit. And I was more enamored with their books than with my own series that I wrote and drew. I was yeah. like, yeah, I love their books. I hate my shit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. I'm like, oh, I suck. But I, you got to see what my friend is doing. Yeah. Like, that's pretty much where I'm at. Like, um, <clears throat> so I love Scrap. Um, Fred Highball, who was a partner, he's got this book called Boom Unit coming out. I think it's going to be an amazing like book. Like, if there was ever a book where, I, I, you know, knock on wood, I don't want to count my chickens before I hatch, but there was ever a book where I was like, oh, this could be an awesome cartoon. The moment Fred came to me with Boom Unit, I was like, oh, yeah, like, we need to get this book done and then go to Adult Swim or something, like, mm-hmm. and see, see, or Nickelodeon and see what they think. Cause like, I'm super, so I'm super excited about that. Uh, Diane Huffman has Wax, which I think is gonna fill a niche that a lot of people have been, um, maybe didn't even know they were, they were missing. But like, if you like Veronica Mars or Nancy Drew or Buffy or anything like that, Wax is right there. Like, mm-hmm. and like, it's, it's really, really good. And um, I'm super excited to see what she does in her second arc. Uh, we've already planned out a second arc for that and so I think it's going to be really good um gosh like yeah I I I just like every book we make like I I just think they're all good like I really do they're really good awesome well going back to you know what you're thinking about making one of your series into a cartoon series um because I've always wanted wanted to see Danny's um sorry okay I got a hiccup here. <laughs> I've always wanted to see Danny's books as a live action series. Um, have you ever envisioned someday, hopefully down the line, that you want to make any of your books into live action movies, TV series, or anything like that? Or are you just specifically, I want to do just comics? Because there are people you that know, say, I don't want to do anything but comics out there. Too. Yeah, yeah. If And it's funny because depending on when you ask me that question, you get two completely different answers. <laughs> if you asked me 10 years ago, I'll be like, yeah, I want to do, I want my comics to be in every kind of media. And I was willing to do that. And that was part of the reason we failed is because we did everything at 20%. Like, mm. like uh, if you went to the MPC site in 2007, 2008, there were podcasts we had web comics. We had an Xbox license, and we were trying to make um, video games for Xbox Live with our characters. Uh, and and we were thinking about doing an animation studio. And we actually had a holding deal with Jim Henson Productions in 2005 and 2006 for a development of a book we had back then called Special Ed. So um, we were trying to do everything, and that's part of the reason we failed because you can either do one thing really well, or you can do everything at 20%. And on the independent independent level, those are the two options. You know, once you get a bunch of money, and, and I think too many people come into the saying, I'm going to be Marvel, and because they have their characters everywhere, I'm going to have my characters everywhere, and I'm going to do all this stuff, and then you end up not doing any of it. Mm-hmm. You end up with, like, one issue because you're trying to do everything. Um, so when when we actually, the company, like, disbanded for a little bit, I had a personal loss, and then I got married and had a kid, so the company took a break. And then when we got back together, one of the things I resolved was that I'm going to make the best comic books I can. I uh, There's so many people who buy indie comics and they don't get the end of the story, you know, because, you know, life happens and we don't get it. So I was like, I'm going to make the best comics I can. I'm going to make complete stories so that when you get it, you know, you get your, um, you, you, you get the full story. So the comic books are done. I'm going to get them to trade so that I can get them in the libraries and get them into bookstores. And then I'll see if, if, anybody wants anything else about it and and that's that's pretty much where i'm at right now i want to make the best comics i can i want to get as many ideas out as i can 
And then if somebody comes to me and says, hey, I'd like to turn that into a cartoon, I'd be willing to talk about it as long as I had, you know, could be involved and have a little creative control and make sure the, the message gets across. But um, I don't think that I would personally animate anything or I would turn it into, I, I don't think I'd shoot a pilot and take it around. I think I would, I would let um, someone else do it. I see Zob just came up on Chiron's background because yeah, see, that's a dope I, character. That, that's someone I'm really yeah. excited about. I, I keep telling him that. Man, I, I did that a couple of years ago. I wasted my money. And it, I shouldn't <laughs> say wasted. I put down an investment on this in animation. Mm-hmm. And it was, uh, it was a good amount of money. And it's great. It looks great. But I have nothing I can do with it at this point. I, I use it as promotional things here and there, but I'm like, mm-hmm. I had this idea. I'm going to make this into animation and somebody's going to like it and they're going to want to turn it into a TV series or something. And I'm like, well, now I've made it. What do I do with it? So I yeah. get what you're saying that, you know, you have these ideas that you are floating in your head and then you try to execute it and it doesn't come out the way you want it to. Yeah. I mean, that's beautiful. I mean, I don't know if uh, uh, no one can see it just yet, but I mean, I, I think I remember you putting this online. Mm-hmm. Right, I think you put this online. Yeah, I thought it was listen. beautiful, and I'm like, I'm like, yeah, this is dope. And like, I'm not saying no one should do it. Once again, I would never say I'm doing this, so you should just be like me. That's that's silly. But it was just I realized how much I was biting off. I was biting off way more than I can chew. Uh, like we had four podcasts, and I was editing all of them, and like, and they came out, you know, staggered during the week, so we had actual programming, and like, I was like, put like. You know, just just being the guy who ran the website as well as trying to make your own comics, and then you try to do all this stuff. It was all funneling through me, and so mm-hmm. I was like, you know what, all doing all of this and, and trying to do it at at a, at a level that was uh, what I felt was professional, so that you know you, you know you're putting out good product. I just couldn't do it, and 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 I was like, you know, and I didn't finish any comics for like three years, you know, because we were doing all this other stuff, and I was like, yeah, I got in this to draw a comic book, like. I want to help other people and I want to do all this cool stuff, but kind of defeats the purpose of I'm not actually making a comic book, you know? So, um, yeah, I think like, I just had to take a step back and who knows in another two, three years, you know, if we have a bunch of titles and everything and, 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 you know, I I'm at the point where I'm actually putting stuff out that I created this century. Um, <laughs> you know, maybe, maybe my, my idea, maybe my, my mind will change again. But right now it's like, now I've got a backlog, backlog of ideas that I really want to get out. And I just want to make the best comics I can. Well, we thank you then for at least telling us about your books. I mean, Danny, do you have any other questions for this man? He, he seems like he's willing to answer anything at this point. Pretty much open book. <laughs> <laughs> no, man, it was, it was nice getting you. And like, I know you and Kyra know each other, but this is our first time talking yeah. You know, so uh, it was nice getting to know you. We we got some stuff in common, man. So I'm gonna keep in touch with you if you don't mind. Always, no, no, don't mind at all. all right. Well, I got one more question, and this will be the last yeah. one, and we'll let you go. And this is yeah. another thing that you and I have in common. Um, when you found out that you were on the IMDb page, how many times did you actually look at it and tell people that you were on IMDb? Because I know when I found out I was on it, I was like, "What?" And I started sharing it for no reason. I gotta be honest. Today I learned that I'm on the IMDb page. <laughs> oh yeah, <laughs> I did oh, yeah. not know that. I did yeah. not know that. See, I do. Like, I do my research on these things. I don't yes, just come sir. out here. Yeah, it's was for a. It's uh, voices of creativity for Jano oh. Hemphill, comic book artist. This was for something you did in 2014. Yeah, it was just a little interview. Like yeah. I remember doing that for for uh, a school down in like Long Beach or something. Um, I'm big on. I'm big on like visiting schools and being like doing like career days and stuff. Um, 
shout out to Maury Turner, creator of Weep House. Um, he was the first person to get me interested in comics because he would come to schools in the Oakland area. Um, I, I'm kind of dating myself again because Weep House is a comic strip that you know, I think it disappeared in like the early 2000s because he retired. But um, Maury Turner would always come to all the schools and do drawings and talk about his job and everything. And I'll never forget him coming to Howard Elementary in East Oakland and drawing his characters from the comic strip. And he, he drew them live for us. And like, it, it was, I was so enamored with these characters that I saw in the newspaper every day, just being created in front of me. And uh, uh, that, I think that was the first time where he put the bug in. I know, I know he's the one who made me want to draw, mm-hmm. period. And, um, and then uh, Dwayne McDuffie and the guys pushed me over the edge into actually making comics. But I, I, I love to draw because I saw Maury Turner drawing. So in, um, I, I try to get- Maury Turner, by the way. Yeah, rest in peace. Yeah, <laughs> so like I, I always I always give back, uh, try to do the same thing for, for other kids that he did for me in my own little way. So if I have a chance to go and talk to a school, I'll do it. And I think that's, I'm pretty sure that's what that is. But I, wow, IMDb listening, crazy. Hey, yeah, I, I try to give you all the information I can. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right, Jenna. Well, this has been fun. Um, I appreciate Definitely. you coming out. And uh, where can our listeners find your your work? As always, you can go to npccomics.com. Um, we're also available on Comixology. Um, we are figuring out our physical distribution because, like I said, I, I was making a joke the other day. We're not in Diamond, but like, who is these days? So we've there's got a, to. There's uh, a lot of options now. Yeah, exactly. So we're figuring out our distribution. Uh, We should have an answer for that in the next 30 to 60 days. Just keep it locked to npccomics.com. We're NPC Comics on all social media. Um, And your local comic book store can always order us still. So, you know, you go go to your local shop. We do do bulk orders. You know, we we do direct direct shipping. You can order directly from us. Um, And or if you like digital, go to Comixology. Yeah. Nice. All right, Danny, where can everybody find your work in you? Oh, um, the Ace Blade man, just like just like uh, Jamel said, uh, on all social media, the Ace Blade. All right, and uh, you can find me at TaurusComics.com. I'm on Instagram, Twitter. Uh, I think I'm on Tumblr, just Taurus Comics. Uh, but you can also find I. I can't do OnlyFans. <laughs> Nobody subscribed to my OnlyFans. So actually, I have a shirt. Hey, I'm. I'm how, they gonna know, how they gonna know if you don't promote it? If you don't tell people about it, they're not gonna subscribe. Man. My OnlyFans is Taurus Comics also. Now I have a shirt <laughs> I designed I made that says, uh, please buy my comic because no one subscribes to my OnlyFans. <laughs> no one wear that at conventions. <laughs> I know. I, I any way I can make money, I'm gonna do it now. <laughs> but uh thank you everybody for listening to this podcast if you want to catch up on all our episodes you can go to the number four t-a-l-e-s podcast.com you can also also find us on itunes spotify uh amazon music uh i think almost every major platform at this point you can catch our podcast for free and get caught up on all the episodes so anything else you guys want to add on before we go i just really appreciate you guys having me man thank you all right, well, everybody. Being with me. All right, sayonara, goodbye, and please take care of yourselves. Music provided by Quick Made It. That's Q U I X K M A D E I T. Find them on YouTube, Instagram, and Twitter. I want to know what it is Quick is trying to say.